0: It has been an interesting season for the San Francisco Giants. Like all other teams, COVID has impacted them. Just this past week, a player whose wife is 39 weeks pregnant tested positive only to see it come back as a false positive in the ensuing days. And then there are the fires burning out of control up and down the west coast, which have claimed dozens of lives and have forced millions to stay inside due to an alarming reduction in air quality. And subsequent to my interview with our guest for this episode, we found out that the Giants game in Seattle would be canceled due to those issues.
1: The Giants and Mariners were supposed to be playing their first of two games in Seattle tonight, but poor air quality from wildfires burning in the region forced this series to be rescheduled and relocated.
0: Baseball and life are intersecting on a daily basis for the Giants right now, who through it all are making an unlikely run at a playoff spot. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt.
1: Dickerson goes the other way, hit well, it is out of here. He's got a three homer game, and it's now 16 to 2. Have a night. Wow.
0: Henry Shulman has covered the San Francisco Giants since 1988, starting with the Oakland Tribune and then the San Francisco Examiner before moving to the San Francisco Chronicle in 1998. His career has spanned the Earthquake World Series in 1989, the Barry Bonds era, and the Giants' three World Series championships in 2010, 12, and 14. And although he is a Shulman, we are not related. We have tried to figure this out. We cannot find a common link. But we call each other cuz sometimes. How you doing, Henry?
1: I'm doing great. It turns out we did have an ancestor uh, common. He was executed uh, for various crimes. Uh, <laughs> Yet
0: we survived.
1: Yeah, we survived. It was, you know, we made it.
0: Yes. So before we dive into everything that's going on out there, and there's a lot going on out there, how are you? How's your family? How's everybody managing through everything right now?
1: We're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, grateful. My mom, who lives in Los Angeles, is 88 years old. She had a little bit of a health scare, but she's doing okay. She's not a Shulman, by the way. She's a Korkowitz. Um, oh, not the uh, Korkowitzes. A Corkowitz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with a lot of her relatives in Toronto, by the way. Oh, really? Shout out to my cousins, Rosie and Jeff, up in Richmond Hill. I mean, we're all doing okay up here. We're just trying to stay indoors. Yeah, so, well, that, well, that's where I wanted to
0: start. There are a number of things to talk about, but, you know, the West Coast fires are unbelievable right now, and we see, you know, back east, we see snippets on the news or on social media, wherever you happen to be. You've been out west a long, long time. Is this the worst fire year that you have seen in your time on the West Coast? Overnight, blazing battles capping off a relentless week. Nearly 60 large fires burning across the West. In Oregon, half a million under evacuation zones, tens of thousands fleeing, entire towns decimated. Oh, by
1: far. And it's not even subjectively the worst. It's objectively the worst. We've had more acres burn this year just in California than in any other year, maybe in some years combined. Global warming is real and you combine it with, uh, you know, probably lax forest management by the federal government and private property owners and... It's just a tinder and now it's happening up in the pacific northwest as well in oregon and uh, washington state they're getting hit hard in fact they're being hit hard even worse than we are in terms of smoke getting into the big cities we have had it bad in the bay area we had that one i mean we had that one day where we never saw the sun i mean i woke up at nine in the morning and it, it looked like five in the morning outside and at 11 in the morning it looked like six in the morning We've mostly been spared of that, but up in the Northwest where the Giants are actually supposed to play the next two games as we're recording this, you know, the health quality index is at the uh, 12 packs of cigarette a day level, and uh, it's just awful. So the
0: A's were just up there. As you mentioned, the Giants are in Seattle now. Now, I know you're not traveling with the team, but you cover San Francisco and you obviously follow Oakland closely. They're just across the Bay. I watched about an inning of that game from Seattle, part of the doubleheader and you thought something was wrong with your television if you didn't know different. Uh, That's how bad it was. What were the comments like from the A's after their games in Seattle about the situation up there?
1: Well, the the one comment that just sort of stuck out was Jesus Luzardo, who started the game for the A's, and he said, uh, you know, I'm a healthy 22-year-old person, athlete. I shouldn't have to be gasping for air and, like, sucking oxygen just when I run out onto the field. And he said, I'll leave it at that. So you know what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bob Melvin, the manager, was saying that they never heard anything from Major League Baseball about, you know, possibly canceling the, postponing the game. I mean, MLB is in a spot. They have this very, very tight schedule for the regular season and the postseason, and they're going to do everything they can to play. I mean, it's my understanding that the Mariners were in contact with the Seattle Health Department. Major League Baseball is sort of letting the local authorities uh, sort of decide or recommend what to do and somehow the word didn't get to the a's who were on the field but i i looked at the index today and you know we we here in the west are are getting very familiar with these numbers i mean in in my town where i live the number is right now at about 175 which is not good you know you're supposed to stay indoor if you're unhealthy in seattle right now it's 280 and 300 is the absolute worst 300 is catastrophic i don't know whether that sort of kind of umbrella roof they have in seattle keeps some of the smoke out but the smoke is definitely getting in as you mentioned when you watch the game hey mike this uh, yes. smoke mm. i don't envy outfielders i don't envy guys on pop-ups well the good news is the roof
0: is closed so that will certainly help them well, But a little bit. Give, them a, give them a little background yeah it's taken
1: it down a little bit right
0: i, I think it'll certainly help having the roof closed yeah is there a feeling big picture, and let me take it back to Northern California, where you are and you're most intimately familiar with, is there a sense of whether the worst is over or the worst is still to come?
1: No, I don't think the worst, I don't think the worst is over. I mean, there are definitely some of the bigger fires that have been going on for a month or more are, are more and more contained. But, you know, our fire season hasn't even started yet. What's traditionally our fire season starts in October which just goes to show you the the effects of global warming. And we have a hotter climate than we ever did before. We have a drier climate than we did before. And that just creates the, you know, the the tinder, the, I mean, all the fuel. And uh, sometimes we get early rains, and early rain for us, uh, and and maybe the uh, people in the East Coast and and your part of Canada may not understand this, but California summers are completely dry. We get our last rains usually in mid-May. We don't usually see then a drop of rain until maybe late September, and then no significant rain until November. So there's a hope that maybe we'll have some early storms that uh, don't carry lightning with them because a lot of these were started with lightning. And that'll help the firefighters out. But, you know, just as it's getting better here in Northern California a little bit, it's getting worse up in Oregon and Washington State. Right. So
0: as if that weren't enough, of course, the Giants, like every other team in baseball, and all of us all over the place, are dealing with COVID. And I thought the Giants had a situation that warrants discussion a few days ago. And I know you've been covering it. And I I think some people maybe have a little bit of COVID fatigue because it's been such a big part of our lives and people don't want to, you know, they want to move on. They want to find reasons to enjoy themselves and smile. And and we can all appreciate that. But the Alex Dickerson story to me uh, really resonated on a human interest level. Here's a player whose wife is 39 weeks pregnant, who tested positive uh, a few days ago. And then subsequently, through multiple tests, it was determined that the first test was a false positive, but his name got out and it caused him and his family a lot of uh, you know, emotional trauma because it's a, a very negative thing to, to be outed like that and where did you go and what did you do when you're risking the whole team and that sort of thing when the truth is he didn't do anything wrong. So I know I just kind of gave the, you know, the headlines, but can you bring us up to date on the Alex Dickerson story over the last few days?
1: Well, the worst of it wasn't that his name got out. I mean, you figured it was going to get out because every other name has got out. What really hurt him was a report in USA Today that said that he had told members of the team and the traveling party that he might have gotten COVID from family and friends, hanging out with family and friends. And that really ticked him off. And it it really kind of added fuel to the whole conflagration over that, if you'll pardon the pun from what we were just talking Mm -hmm. about. because he told us he did everything right. And I, I mean, Alex is not a guy that you would expect would lie, especially with a wife who's about to give birth to a child. And he said very specifically that he was tested on, on Wednesday when they got on the flight, he was negative. His wife was tested down in San Diego, which is where they live. And she got to the hotel before he did when they flew in. And he didn't go anywhere outside of the hotel. He was with his wife. And then he went to the ballpark Thursday for the game. And it was it was a test that had was taken Thursday that came back positive on Friday. And as soon as word came out in this story that he had gotten it from maybe a friend or, or family and you would think maybe he would go see his parents or his sister or whatnot and then all of a sudden the hate started coming in you know yeah. how could you do this and he was very very emotional he spoke to us when we woke up sunday morning we didn't even know if the giants would acknowledge that it was him because they hadn't done that yet not only did they acknowledge it was him he asked to be put in front of the uh, the cameras on zoom so that he could tell us in almost tears how much it stressed him and his pregnant wife that word was getting out that he might have broken protocol. Because uh, a
0: lot of this, especially when you're dealing with pregnancy and COVID-19, it is not, not a good thing. And to make the assumption that I came in and went and broke protocol and saw family and friends, when. I'm only permitted to see my wife That's the only person I saw and who was quarantined and was on bed rest. Uh, it caused a lot of problems. A lot of, a lot of hate can come towards
1: you. It was just a very, very rough, you know, just watching, just talking to him for 15 or 20 minutes was very rough. And to his credit, he was able to go out and play in a doubleheader. And, you know, the Giants, I think, had five hits in 14 innings, and he had one of them. So it's a credit to him. And just, you know, team-wide, it just worked out. So we all thought they were going to be done for four days or longer. But there had been a couple of false positive tests during this process, namely two Phillies staffers. I don't know if they were coaches or clubbies or whatnot. Uh, but it has happened, it, and and it did happen in this case. But right now, people in San Francisco are not very happy with USA Today. <laughs> I would imagine. But I've got to believe
0: they're pretty happy with the giants and, and, uh, you know, baseball is just our little corner in the, you know, in the toy department of the real world. But if we allow ourselves to just talk baseball for a little bit, because that's what we do. And it is a bit of a distraction, you know, like the, the Marlins and Cardinals had major outbreaks. They're both competing for playoff spots. The blue Jays have not really had a home this year. I mean, Buffalo is their home, but they've not been allowed to play in their own home. They are firmly entrenched in a playoff spot. And here are the giants, I think dealing with more than most and kind of against all odds in the hunt for a playoff spot when i don't think that anybody really thought that that was possible back at the beginning of the season. So talk to me a little bit about Gabe Kapler's first year out there and and you know some of the performers who have allowed the Giants to have the the season that they've had so far.
1: It is a surprise. I mean the i think the Vegas people thought put set the over and under for Giants wins at 23 and a half. They're at at 23 right now. Uh, Farhan Zaidi, who used to be the uh, general manager of the Dodgers, now the president of baseball operations, has done a good job in going out and getting uh, undervalued talent. And Dickerson is one. You know, I'm mean, the Padres basically gave him away. The Orioles basically gave away Mike Yastrzemski. He was just a, an appendage for a, a horrible Orioles team. They didn't know what they had in him. And what has happened in San Francisco is they're sort of, this is a marking time team. The Giants are going to be, Really successful again. When a better group of young prospects than they've had in the past come up, Joey Bart, the catcher, was the first of many who are going to come up. They have a shortstop named Marco Luciano, who's 19 years old, 18 or 19 years old. They have an outfielder named Elliot Ramos, an outfielder named Alexander Canario, a pitcher named Sean Jelly. These are names that your listeners don't know, but that's going to be the next wave of Giants contenders, but they're not ready yet. So what Farhan has done is brought together... Some, you know, players who never got a chance with some other teams and players that he thought would be successful in a short-term scenario. And I mentioned Dickerson and Yastrzemski. He signed uh, Kevin Gaussman for $9 million, uh, which people just really opened people's eyes. Like $9 million for a guy who wasn't very successful in Baltimore and, you know, got traded away and became a reliever. Well, he's been one of their better pitchers. He has a little bit of an elbow thing right now. I mean, they lost Bumgarner, and yet the rotation has done you know, pretty well. They have a young guy named Logan Webb who's on and off. They signed Sean Anderson, a pitcher from the Rockies, who had a, a really good first couple of years, and then he hurt his knee and had knee surgery. You know, he finally got healthy, and, and he's done really well. Uh, Donovan Solano, who's in the hunt for a batting title, wasn't even in Major League Baseball for, I think it was two or three seasons, and they brought him in because they saw something in him. Solano. High drive, left field, it is out of here, and we are going home. Donovan Solano sends everybody A whole bunch of players like that, including a couple of guys from the system. Wilmer Flores, the, the first guy that the Giants gave a uh, you know multi-year contract to under Zaidi. He's got nine home runs right now. Brandon Belt having a fantastic year with a new young coaching staff. So these guys are overperforming, and Gabe Kapler came in to replace a Hall of Famer in Bruce Bochy. It was a terrible beginning to his tenure because nobody here wanted Gabe Kapler as manager. There were well-reported stories about an issue that he had in Los Angeles where a couple of minor league players, when he was their farm director, mishandled accusations of inappropriate behavior by a couple of prospects against women that, you know, uh, immediately all the women up here said, we will, we're we done with the Giants until he's gone. Two years with the Phillies that underperformed. So he had a, you know, he had strike two and a half against him. And then at the very beginning of the season, I'll try and shorten this up here. At the very beginning of the season, he made a couple of questionable decisions that backfired. And then all of a sudden, everything he started to do started to work the lineup decisions, the bullpen decisions, the rotation decisions. And they started winning. And I think he's won some of the people over. He's won a lot of the people over. And they're a team now 23 and 24. They hold the eighth playoff spot as we're recording this. They're in at the moment. Now, it's going to be tough because they still have three in Oakland and they still have four against San Diego, and they can't beat San Diego. So, I mean, the odds of them holding on to the playoff spot, probably not – Good, but they've done far better than expectation. And they've sort of reignited interest in in baseball in San Francisco a little bit.
0: And if they were to be able to hold on somehow, and if they were to play the Dodgers in the first round, which is not a lock because the Padres could pass them. But I would imagine every Giants fan just the opportunity to perhaps knock the Dodgers
1: out of the playoffs in a one versus eight scenario—that's got to be pretty uh, appealing for uh, Giants oh, fans. I, I, yeah, I can't tell you how many people on my Twitter just—it's almost like a mantra now. Just <laughs> give me three games in Los Angeles, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. And the thing is, the Giants are a thorn in the Dodgers' side. I mean, you know what the, the Dodgers' record is. I mean, the Giants are four went four and five against the Dodgers this year. I mean four four and five that's uh i believe that's what it was or something like that four and six whatever they played the dodgers really tough tougher than most other teams have played the dodgers except now the padres who and i'm telling you i've seen a lot of the padres lately and i could honestly tell you that that given the struggles the dodgers have in their bullpen right at the moment I would say the Padres are the best team in the National League right now, not the Dodgers. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Padres, who are a game and a half back, would pass the Dodgers. If if the Giants got three games against the Padres, people wouldn't even have to turn on their television set. They could just go on their vacation.
0: Well, I tell you, there are many, many, many things I miss uh, during this baseball season, but I I miss going to San Francisco. I miss being in San Francisco in October. I miss the garlic fries. I miss (laughs) the Giardelli ice cream that they have at Oracle Park, the beautiful home uh, of the Giants. As you know, you work in the, I think, arguably, maybe inarguably, the nicest ballpark in baseball. Are you, when they're at home, are you going to the ballpark still? Are you, uh, as a member of the media, actually going
1: physically to the stadium? Yeah, most of the time. You are. Uh, I, I have a I have a co-beat writer, John Shea, and you know him. And yep. um, we both cover the team, and some days he'll go, and some days I'll go. You you wonder what the difference is going there. I mean, you, you do see things when you're at the field that you might not see on television. And it really is helpful to go. And, uh, you know, we have to go through our own protocols. I mean, we get tested, too, and we have to get our temperature taken every time we go in. We We can only walk in certain parts of the ballpark. And, you know, a lot of people have asked me what it's like, and I tell them that it's very weird when you have to walk into the stadium and it's so different, and then you walk in and just see thousands of cardboard cutouts and just how bizarre it is. But honestly, once the first pitch is thrown, it just seems like regular baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and the players say the same thing. I mean, you know, yeah, it'd be great to have 40,000 fans there or, you know, 30,000, whatever the Giants get nowadays. But, you know, once they get in that competitive mode, They forget about all that. And uh, to me, one of the most fun things about covering this kind of baseball with no fans in the stands is to hear the dugout roar when you see like a ball that's hit and you know it's gonna go out. Or when the umpire calls a ball that your team thinks should have been a strike and you just hear all the yelling and complaining from the dugout. And it's really kind of eye-opening because you don't hear that stuff when there's fans in in the stands. And he will get the hero's welcome. And the Giants have won their seventh. It brings
0: out the intensity of the sport. And and remember the Blue Jays are in Buffalo, right? So we're calling games from a studio in Toronto. So I haven't been on site for any of them, but even on TV, the two things you're talking about the dugout exploding when somebody gets a big hit, or the umpire yelling, or even yelling back and forth between the dugouts. Right. It's kind of cool. You know, back in the day, I used to be the reporter for ESPN Radio for the World Series. So for the ninth inning, back in the Bonds era, I would go down to the field because I was one of these guys running onto the field trying to corral somebody for an interview right at the end of the game. So for the last three outs, I was typically very near a dugout in a playoff game. And soaking up all that energy and intensity and sound, and you're right. It's really cool to be able to hear what the players are saying in the dugout and on the field, and what the umpire is saying. I'm sure baseball doesn't want us to hear everything, which is why there is some crowd noise. But to hear what we can makes it feel uh, makes it feel pretty special. Makes it feel fun.
1: I know. And, and I wrote one story about. I was waiting for the right moment to write this, but I wrote a story about how we've heard more f bombs on American <laughs> television in the last. Two months than we've heard since philo farnsworth invented the box in 1920 <laughs> and, and it came up because the giants had a terrible stretch of four games where trevor gott who was the closer gave up three ninth inning leads two of them were at home against the a's the third one was in anaheim and uh, the giants were a strike away from winning that game and he gave up a two-run homer to tommy La Stella, And uh, as Yastrzemski was going back, it was a line drive and he looked up and as soon as Yastrzemski saw the ball leave the yard and the Giants lost the game, you heard this F-bomb all the way out there from right field and you knew it was him. (laughs) And I got to write my story.
0: Stella hits one out to right field. Yastrzemski moving back to the wall. That is drive home safely. (laughs) <laughs> Turning a negative into a positive, something exactly. fun has come out of twenty twenty four. I'm up in Richmond Hill from time to time. What are your cousins' names again? Uh, Jeff and Rosie Plant. They're really fun people. All right, I'll keep an eye out for them. I think if we really worked at this, we could find a, an actual common ancestor, but it would it would take some time. But uh, we've got we've got time these days. Probably
1: so. somebody who used to visit Rorick the barber. You know, yes. who would, uh you know, do, <laughs> cut your hair and then do your lung surgery. <laughs> Henry, uh,
0: good to catch up with you. I'm glad you're doing well. I hope that some progress is made on the fires and that the you, know, you can get outside a little bit more and that everybody is safe. And I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the season and maybe into the playoffs for the Giants as well. You never know. All right. Thank you, Cousin Dan. Well, good to catch up with Henry. Great writer, great guy, not a cousin, but if I had to pick a guy who's not a cousin to be a cousin, I might pick Henry. He's, he's that good of a guy. Giants going through a lot, West Coast going through a lot. Our thoughts to everybody out there that maybe, just maybe the worst is over for the Fires and the Giants, an interesting team to keep an eye on down the stretch as they make an unlikely run towards what could be a playoff spot and maybe, who knows, a first round matchup with the Dodgers that'll do it for this episode of a swing and a belt produced by Christian Ryan thank you as always for listening and until next time I'm Dan Schulman